live from Estopanol Inn. It's the Vamos Morados podcast, powered by the state of Louisville. Welcome to the Vamos Morados podcast. My name is Benton. You can find me on Twitter at PurpleSDF. And my name is Zach. You can find me on Twitter at Zach W. Allen. Welcome back, Zach. It's good to have you back. I left and everything went to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's quite a few fires while you were off uh, vacationing. I was sitting by the pool. I was riding rides at Disney and enjoying myself. And I checked my phone and I got 100 missed messages. Yeah, meanwhile, I was sitting on Twitter for two straight days. I worked a little bit, but... (laughs) So we, uh, yeah, we have a lot to cover, particularly in the NWSL realm. We also have two Louisville City matches discussed that have some pros and cons to them. They're interesting matches, but we'll we'll start with the the NWSL stuff. Sounds good. So you're gonna have to fill me in a little bit on this one because I missed I missed a lot of the details. Yeah, I'm gonna going. I'm gonna try to keep it concise, but there's there's a lot to cover there. So for those of you listening, um. You, you may, I mean, you probably surely realize at this point that Racing Louisville's match was was canceled this week. As and were it, all of the matches. Yeah, all the matches, all the NWSL matches were canceled. And this all ties back to a, a pretty bombshell piece on The Athletic that that dropped about some transgressions from, from one of the coaches. So to rewind things, Pat Riley is was the coach of the North Carolina Courage. Before that, he was with the Thorns, and before that, he's been floating around the, the women's game for quite some time. There were several leagues before the NWSL, and he was part of those. And this piece that came out on The Athletic by Meg Lenahan, which I give her hell on Twitter sometimes, but I got to give her, her props. She did a very good job with this. I like um, Meg. Yeah she, uh, yeah, she did a very good job with this. But um, this, this piece chronicles um, a couple different players history with this coach essentially where he was continually putting himself himself in a position of power to to manipulate these players to the point where they felt like they had to do what he said and this this came down to things like one of the players basically skipped out on an opportunity at the national team because that's not what he wanted and and this player felt like he had that kind of control over her and things escalated to the point where he was, was using his position of influence over these players uh, for, for sexual misconduct. Um, and this happened with, with, with a couple players on, 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 on multiple occurrences um, happened during his time with the thorns. And I believe that they, in some capacity, were kind of aware that that not everything was perfect and so they didn't renew his contract and they used a lot of language that very much kind of brushed over this now to give people some context to this is that he's he's not the only offender that's done stuff like this and oftentimes it's not public knowledge there uh, we've zach and i we've both spoke with individuals more closely in the NWSL ecosystem and have been for longer than us. And a lot of these things are just become whispers and, and murmurs because these players are afraid to speak up because, you know, especially a lot of these players, you know, these players that are put in these positions are not ones that have solid careers. They're not these huge mega uh, names that could 
really go wherever they want their their names that you know if the wrong thing happens like their soccer career could be over yeah. so so he left the thorns well not to mention there are like because there are lots of coaches like this out there like you don't want to be a player that gets a coach fired for this and then have that hurt your career yeah, later on when the next creepy weirdo doesn't want you playing for him yeah uh, so there's there's this there's almost a system of set up against the players on, on how things are there's not really a safe way of doing this and i mean we've seen how some of these club operates you kind of look behind the curtains at you know places like um the washington spirit if you've read up on that it's just they're just messes and these people are just vying for, for power it's these weird power struggles that they have so i'm getting a little off track with that element but so this pat riley guy he leaves the thorns and they very much you know sing his praises on his way out you know Thank you for your service, yada, yada. Absolutely don't bring this stuff up at all. And he goes to North Carolina Courage. And all the, all the time, each time he's making these moves, he's essentially doing what he can to bring these particular players along with him because he, he has that control over them. And they feel, they feel in some ways that like he's, I mean, as, as a soccer mind, he's, he's done very well. He's been a successful coach and had success and particularly in helping elevate players. And they kind of see that and they kind of feel tied in like they they have to be a part of that despite this this manipulation that's going on and so he you know and so this is continuing at you know at, at the north carolina courage so when some of this stuff happened way back when i think it was first reported to the nwsl from from one of these players back in in 2015 and there's one little bit of context that i did actually see because alex morgan tweeted out receipts uh she had like copies of emails yeah that like the um like he was reported officially to the league by one of the players at at portland and they did an investigation and nothing came of it and they kept everything secret um and then was reported again like earlier this year by the same player to like directly to the commissioner and um Lisa Baird, the former commissioner now, yeah, uh, sent an email back that like they've looked into it and and done their due diligence and and then and nothing came of that and then and now he's fired because it's public. So that's yeah. that's like the worst look of all of all of this. Oh, abs- that yeah. He had Absolutely. a job when it was in private, and then now that other people know about it, oh, suddenly he's fired. Yeah, there's a lot of disasters involved in this. So yeah, obviously there's the reporting had taken place, and it's you know I I have a I have a, back, a background in HR. So when you're doing these investigations, I, I I in some regards kind of understand when to maintain the privacy investigations, but it just seems so like it's such a serious thing. And it, apparently if these if it's reported on multiple occurrences, how the NWSL at least addressed it was was done very poorly. And then also given the fact that like you said once it came to light and once all this outrage happened they had no hesitation in firing him his a license for coaching was revoked what does that tell you about what they knew well if they if they thought he was innocent would they have just fired him like that like so you kind of makes you wonder about the investigation itself there's basically two explanations and both of them make the league look very bad which is one, they, they investigated it and none of this came up in their investigation, which like props to Meg, but 
she does like does not have a ton of resources like the the league should have been able to do a more thorough investigation than an outside reporter was able to so if, if they didn't unearth any of this that makes their investigation look very poor and yep. half, halfway done if they did unearth all of this and not only did he not f- get fired but when he eventually was let go four things probably related to this like parted ways with the thorns, the thorns yeah. like let him get another job in the league and then you know suddenly he's fired like that that makes the league look the first one makes you look either incompetent or like you don't care and the second one makes it look like you're actively covering things up it's probably all those incompetence yeah, they don't little, care covering little, it little up little a little b <laughs> Yeah. So, and then the response from the NW immediately following this is was pretty much a masterclass on what not to do, because in one of their languages in in the press release, like right after this report dropped and and then in the soccer the women's soccer world turned on its head, they used the language specifically kind of indicating that this was new information for them, and everybody's abs- absolutely not. <laughs> it is certainly not. And I. I didn't like I follow the followed the NWSL and the the WSL before it like but not I was not like super duper actively it was just a league I kept kept up with and even like in my not super like close following of the league I was aware of like stuff like this being around the league yeah so I, it's, I, it was not a like super tight secret yeah, I'm. A, I mean, I'm a newer fan, but I'm. I've been made aware of several of these kind of cases already with with, with some legitimacy behind them. So it's this Pat Riley example was was more of a case of a straw that broke the camel's back than a one particular occurrence that caused this outrage. Like this is not a new thing, and what made this time particularly different is not only the the great reporting that Meg did, but players started to speak out, which is something they hadn't done in the past. You had a lot of, you know, these Twitter verified checkmark people, your your Megan Rapinos, your Alex Morgans, all pretty, you know, not in a deem, all tweeting things out and, and making comments and stuff pretty much just going right at the league. Yeah. Like it was a point where both the players and the fans were absolutely fed up of this scenario because it's one thing for this kind of thing to happen. Like it's like I mean, how do you predict that from happening? But it's another, when you have a system in place that allows these same individuals to continue to get jobs and repeat this behavior. Well, and th- I mean, this is, this is my own personal heart. These people keep getting jobs in place of like former player women coaches who I feel like are deserving and never and keep not getting a shot at their first coaching job. Yep. That kind of goes back to like the whole license. Like they keep going to the same pool. Yeah. Rather than like bringing up new talent that keeps getting looked over for, for coaching. Oh, and when, and when they don't go to that same pool, they pull out random people like that Richie Burke guy from, from Washington. He was one of them that was uh, recently fired. He was the Washington spirit guy. He was like involved in the youth system. And even there, there were a lot of complaints and concerns about his his handling and Um, so, oh wait you mentioned that the reaction to the league statement was not good i to double back on one more point on there so, so them hiring the the system that the um 
the gymnastics team uses to verify claims like this was not with the neck over super well. Yeah. So like right after one of their immediate responses, like, oh, we'll use this like X, Y, and Z service. I don't remember the company's name, but then, then everybody quickly realized like, like somebody in the gymnastics world, like, oh yeah, that's what they provide us. And that does absolutely nothing. Yeah. So it was just kind of like a, fa- like a facade, like a half-assed reporting mechanism to, to make. Well, I think privacy. specifically, um, Oh, her name escapes me. The gymnast that so chimed in else? about that is like they were like they're like a HR check the checkmark box service, basically. Like, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, so the fallout has been been pretty intense for us. And so, I I hope that, I hope I hit hit everything because again, there's just a lot of moving parts and a lot to explain. But what had happened since that first came out, and then you know, they ended up still tried to tried to do their emergency PR by putting their, their their really terrible statement pretty much saying, oh, this is new to us, sorry, like, we'll look into it, is, uh, you know, from there, what happened after that is they got a more, the uh, the NWCLPA has been heavily involved in this. They had a list of demands essentially put out right after this. You know, several of the demands are pretty much like, how did, how did Pat Riley get hired again? What are you going to do about this in the future? You know, you got to disclose the whole investigation. And the deadline was like the next day, like noon. And so that that obviously kind of ticked closer. And at that point is when, when words start coming out that these matches were going to be canceled. And it makes sense from the, the sake of wanting to, to give these players an opportunity to process and give the league and the PA the opportunity to start to create some of these mechanisms to help protect these players going forward. Like they found a more legitimate service to help kind of provide, be able to have anonymous reporting of, of these sort of instances. And then immediately following that, Lisa Baird, the commissioner, she's out. Her lawyer, another Lisa, she's out. I mean, Pat Riley was obviously, not only is he out, he lost his coaching license. And it's gotten so big that, you know, Huge yeah, news outlets are reporting it, and even to the point where FIFA is now wanting to be involved in in investigating, which they have yeah, that one's problems. Rich. They have yeah, they have some they have a lot of skeletons in them. I'm sure so, they'll figure it out. Yeah. So, but they anyway, care so just, much about just, the women's game. I, I I bring that up more of a testament to the uh, the, the attention yeah. and legitimacy this whole movement, this whole cultural turning point within the women's game has more so can than we, I think they're going to do anything. Can we talk about licensing for a second? Oh yeah, let's because... grip into that. Okay, so I, I mean, this is probably American sports fan bias here, but like, what is the point of the licensing board for coaches anyway? Like, gatekeeping. I, basketball gets by just fine with like, you can hire any person you want off the street, and that's on the team. Like, baseball. And, and if you're going to have a licensing board, if you're going to have a licensing board, wouldn't the whole point of something like that be for like, people as they come up like through coaching youth teams or as when they have stuff like this like you take their license away when they do abusive things so that they can't coach anymore because like what we got licensing for if that's not been happening it's yeah i mean again i think i personally kind of view it as more of a a gatekeeping thing it needs to go away if somebody you're gonna have licenses people need to get their licenses taken away when stuff like this happens i mean i think it i mean in some sense like I think it helped provide some legitimacy of your of your knowledge and stuff, but it shouldn't be like you have to have it or you can't get in, which is pretty much what the system is. If you know the game, 
Who the hell cares if you have that piece well, of paper saying you're X, Y, and Z certified? Yeah. Yeah, you, if you are a player, you should be able to walk straight off the field in and do a coaching job without having to go through yeah. some stupid training program, whatever they do to get the license. It's not. And if, there, like, yeah, and if, and if there's a li- licensing certification process that needs to, it needs to be accessible so that it's not a bunch of white dudes coaching in the women's league. And it needs to actually have some weight. Whereas then if there's these transgressions or issues, licenses are suspended or taken away completely preventing them from, from coaching. But again, I'm more of the, I'm more of the mindset of just open the damn thing up. If you know the game, you can coach. You Who cares if you have you it? Want. Yeah. So yeah, licensing is its own problem, but that I, I, I might've jumped around on the whole tale of what had, had, had happened, but essentially that that's it. And, and this has been a big, turning point particularly because the players are now speaking up about these situations and they certainly have fan support as well because i mean all over the nation the different supporter groups were were gathering and 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 protesting and i mean even today at the louisville city match we're recording on sunday evening we i mean we 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 were putting all these signs up because we knew we were going to be on espn and we want the visibility on that movement about protecting the players so there's definitely a a lot more to come from all this I should give the caveat because we sort of alluded to it a couple times, but obviously like women coaches can also be harassers and, Mm. and, and, and do things. So it's not to say that hiring all women coaches instantly fix this this problem, but it is, it is hard not to say that there is like a weird paternalistic coaching culture in the league that contributes to a lot of these actions and also like oh, keeps yeah. them from being uh dealt with yeah so i, I, I agree yeah. i mean like lisa barrett she's a female she's a commissioner she's just as much part of the problem but the the thing is the is culture just, is the problem yeah, the and, culture and, is the problem and a lot more heads need to roll for things to change just getting rid of lisa baird was should be the the tip of the iceberg that was a a more symbolic move than anything else, because there are a lot more people still have the same power that were part of that problem. Yeah. And that probably need to go. There needs to be huge overhauls. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the last person that we see leave. Yeah. Well, and I think be. At other leagues like the NFL and the NBA have dealt with this too, but like, in, if you look at the demographics of the coaches and it is grossly out of step with the demographics of the players in the league, that is indicative of like a lot of people who are deserving of coaching jobs getting passed over. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. So this we're, we're at the, I think the very beginning of, of a huge cultural change is about to happen with the NWSL. Again, there's going to probably be a lot more to this tale. Yeah. It's the coming weeks in potentially years unfold, but now the players are in a point where they're not going to be silent anymore. So as these things happen, these things are going to be called out more immediately and these are going to be more addressed in a, in a stronger fashion. I, I don't see the old way continuing with these kind of individuals that have these kind of transgressions are continuing getting job after job. Well, and like if a coach mysteriously parts ways with their team mid-season, you are going to hear a ton from the fan base of whatever next team tries to hire that person at this point. Like that's going to be a a move that's not just going to go over. Okay. Like maybe it would have in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So even those situations, which we don't know, which I think you're probably alluding to our team is, is that kind of hire is going to be looking at with a lot more scrutiny 
even though like if, was... if you part ways with your team midseason and they don't announce why th- th- whatever fan base tries to hire that person again needs to be very very I mean, vocal about regardless it. of the nature yeah. we we know it wasn't we've good. seen in hindsight too many of these mysterious midseason parting ways with the coach that turns out to actually have been very serious allegations that never came to light yeah so so a cultural revolution is a foot it's a much needed one um and and that, and that was again the result of this is why the the matches were canceled is the the fallout from that and trying to figure out what to do what's next so how do we begin this process of change i guess bringing it back to soccer a little bit officially postponed correct not not canceled yes and how i so. understand it is it's likely going to probably be at the end of october i think people saw on their seat geek accounts like the date was updated to like the end of october i'm thinking that's just a placeholder date time. They'd probably just throw it there yeah yeah but so it's it, it is yeah officially and the, postponed the league it's, does not have a super long season as is so it's probably not a huge problem to add a, like another week on at the end if they need to yeah, so it's, it's only a 24 game season. As I think, is. yeah, I, so I think step one is going to be kind of the baselines of how do we make this league safe for our players? Like that, that what's that, what's that initial band aid to get us through the season, or like what's the mechanism we're going to start? And then they'll probably worry about the scheduling of that because I think priority number one is let's fix this problem that's gone on for way too long. But, so, yep, that's why we didn't well, have and- much. <laughs> I guess it, it is it is a problem that's bigger than the NWSL too. Like this is a yeah. a problem throughout. I mean, we we mentioned the gymnastics team and how they sort of um, got pulled in with this. It, it's a it's a wider women's sports problem. Mm-hmm. I, I think you see a culture similar to this in lots of women's team sports and individual sports. But yeah. um, so it's a it's a yeah. So. I, I would I would like to see the league lean on it rather than lag on it, but it is it's a wider cultural problem we have to deal with. Yeah, so it all it all starts at the top, but I think the the right thing has happened is that momentum is definitely in the favor of of this change, and that change has has already begun. And like I said before, there's going to be a lot more to this to come. So. Um, most of my thoughts are the things I felt that we should cover for those unfamiliars is there anything else that i i didn't speak to zach that we should mention uh yeah you were you were a lot more in the loop than me in the past week but i think we covered i was on everything twitter i knew lot. and i yeah i'm on twitter a lot anyway but i was on twitter a lot i mean i'm normally <laughs> on twitter a lot but i had that i had toy God. story rides to ride yeah he had fun that goddamn bird app all right Let's uh let's switch gears and let's lighten the mood a little bit. Let's talk about some uh some on field action. How about that? All right, sounds good. So we got two Louisville City matches to talk about. The first one is a midweek match against Atlanta United two. And uh, I thought this one was uh was was a pretty interesting one. So I'm kind of curious to to hear your thoughts and talk about I, it. But I'm gonna be real honest with you about this one though, Benton. I did have to watch this one on my phone from the pool because even though Disney owns ESPN plus for some reason at Disney resort hotels, you cannot access ESPN plus uh, from the TVs. Uh, What kind of third world country resort were you staying in? (laughs) 
I mean, I wasn't, I was at the wilderness lodge. So I got the, I got the full wilderness experience. The audacity. Why don't you send Bob Eager strongly worded email? <laughs> That'll solve it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But anyway, so, I, I'll, I'll comment on what I could see from my tiny phone screen. Yeah. Um, so first thing I do want to mention is uh, as far as the starting lineup goes, I mean, a lot of familiar uh, names and faces in, in formation shape. Big things to mention is Corbin Bone and Pat McMahon oh, made the return to yeah to the starting eleven. Yep, and Pat, which I'm really excited about. And um, yeah, so those are two pretty reliable pieces that I like to have. I'm particularly Corbin. He's I think he's been real low key, fantastic for us. And we also got to see uh, Jimmy McLaughlin get another start. Yeah, he hasn't started a time, so it's nice to see him. The, the interesting thing is, like, he's a good player. We just have so much depth. It's hard to get all these guys on the field. we got a good problem. So um, so that was the uh, the marching orders for the day. And it started out a uh, almost a real bad. It was within the first minute. There was a long pass to to a, an Atlanta attacker who Pat was marking. And Pat went uh, jumped up the head, but went right over his head. So that... So that attacker had a had a breakaway and a very much a one on one shot, and he quite frankly he just shanked. It wasn't even on target. Now that was a <laughs> enormous sigh of relief for the Louisville City fans because yes. that was almost an en- ginormous disaster. I can't understand. Overall, not a great was. defensive night for for Louisville. Yeah, that was um, that, that was that was not good. You know, Pat just slightly misjudged it, and all of a sudden there's nobody between that player and the and the goal but the keeper himself. I've been there. It's the worst <laughs> feeling in the world to, to try to cut off a pass for a header and then have it go right over your head. Yeah, it's it's tough, but he has a little more experience than, than we do. So again, he's I mean he's been out a little bit, so maybe it's a little bit of rust. But either way, like so we got we got bailed out of that one. So no goal scored there. After that, we had a few offensive opportunities themselves. Um, I mean um, Ombi sent in a cross, I think it was about the 17-ish minute mark to Cameron Lancaster, who nearly got a, got a toe on it to poke it in, but it's just, just misconnecting. And then a little bit after that, he showcased a little bit of his his fancy footwork and his ball skills to, to shake a defender and, and get a shot, but but nothing came of that. Um, but following that, the the rest of the first half was all Atlanta. It was yeah. it was pretty uncharacteristic for Little City where they were they were playing to Atlanta's game. Atlanta was was dictating the flow, the tempo, the action, and that just watching that is just very uncomfortable. Thankfully, not not we, a thing we see often watching. Yeah, not, yeah, we don't see it often. Even in the matches we lose, I feel like oftentimes we're still in control. Yes, which is weird. But so we we kept them at bay for for quite a while, but the dam unfortunately broke in the dying minutes of the first half. Is off a corner kick. Minute. Yeah. There's a corner kick for, for Atlanta, and it went to the far post. And I'm not even going to say he hit it in. It, like, hit off one of the players and kind of, like, bounced in. It was a real awkward sequence. It just – it was a crappy goal to give up, you know? Yeah. He, I mean, it was well done by the actual corner kick itself, like, placement-wise. But the hit that go in the, in the goal was more of, like, it just happened to hit off of, like, one of the defenders something there and, and sneak in at the, at the near post. So, I mean, bravo to them. I mean, every score, I mean – Goal's a goal. Yeah, it's a goal's a goal. They still count the same whether they're pretty or not. Um, but it, it's it sucked and not only to give it up that way, but so late in the first half. 
Yeah. But you almost, in some ways, based off how things feel bad. Kind of felt, felt, it felt yeah. it was coming a little bit, which you don't like that feeling, especially when it comes to fruition. So, Little City went into I the wasn't lock- too worried going into halftime. I thought they were going to make some adjustments. Yeah, especially, I mean, I thought I thought the first part of the first half went pretty decently. I'm like, well, if they can get back to it. And we have this weird habit this season where, like, from time to time, we come out the second half looking way different. And this, yeah. thankfully, was one of those times. Uh, a tale of two halves, if you will. We did make some substitutions. Oscar Jimenez came in, placed Paulo de Piccolo. Or, excuse me. I think I knew Oscar and, oh, no, excuse me, Oscar and Paul and Piccolo came on and they replaced Jimmy Napo. Yeah. And, and, and it wasn't, I was going to ask about this because, like I said, watching on tiny screen, it's the it's already hard to tell who people are in the away games with the cameras mm-hmm. anyway. So did, did I see correctly that Oscar checked in and then Jogo slid up to forward? Or... It I'll be looks, I'll be honest. I didn't I didn't catch that. Okay. that it that, looked to me in the second half like Jogo was not playing wing back. He he had moved to wing midfield or wing forward, whatever. But uh, yeah, it, it looked like he was playing up up the field for that that second half after that yeah, sub. That's, that's entirely I possible. I missed that if that was the case. Which well, and you mentioned the sub, so lineup wise, that makes sense. I, yeah, I wanted to no, bring I it up because I thought I saw it, but I wasn't. Positive. I think it was one of the things I meant to figure out later on, and then I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> that happens a lot but yeah because what, jogo oscar and pat were all in at the same time at that point yep so one of so, them had to be playing up. whatever they did worked because i mean right from the get-go city was in the driver's seat and they, they had a couple good opportunities i think again the first like minute or so of the second half swahe almost got um knocked in a, um, across into the goal yeah, they but had a short, lot of good chances in the second yeah. half. Yeah, shortly after that, it was about the 51st minute. Now McCabe took a corner kick to Cameron Lancaster, who headed in. He's been doing that a lot, using his noggin. How does he get the ball to go faster off his head than it's going in the air? Because that, that one especially, if you watch the replay from directly behind the goal, it, like, shoots off his head. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's a little bit laser But, I mean, yeah, he heads it, goes in. It was very... Very standard issue scoring off of a set piece. Yep. If if you were to put a, a GIF in a textbook, that would be it. I mean, that, that's how you do it. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty straightforward. So so we we knocked it in and we thankfully tied the match up. But we were still in possession. And it was that as that quest to find that second goal. Could we could we break things down? Could we scrape out three points um, for Atlanta? Um Let's see. I think there's some substitutions that happened shortly after. Yeah. Kyle, Greg, and Hopeno entered in. They took off Cam and OMB. And I think part of this is cycling players to keep them fresh for the return home. I, and it, it came up um, during the broadcast for today or from for Sunday's game uh, that those were scheduled substitutions and um, and and coach mentioned that that was a a very, very tough decision to make whether or not to stick with the schedule or to keep them in and try to, um, Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't blame him. As soon as I saw that, I I, ended up going with like, it's a long season. It's bigger than any individual game. Like these, like the players need to rotate and get rest. So he's stuck with the schedule. 
Yep. So those subs were made, and then uh, Corbin Bone was also cycled out, which again he's just coming back from injury, so that one that made a lot of sense too. And we got George, to see, uh, George play in the midfield a bit, which was nice. Yeah, George. Yeah, George came in. I always love seeing that, especially since he's in a, uh, his kind of his last hurrah of his career, yeah. long career in the USL. Um, he immediately kind of got in the action. He he had a near shot opportunity. It's a high flying ball. He tried to hit out of the air, but he hit it awkwardly and. If you ever tried to do that, it's really hard. So I don't blame him for that. Real difficult to just slap it out of the air like that and get a good shot. But. I may, I may have whiffed on one of those in a game and then spent all week throwing a ball and against the garage and hitting it out of the air. Because you're <laughs> not going to miss that next league. one. <laughs> but um, so yeah, and then uh, there was a it was at the 79th minute, and I don't know how to describe it other than it's just a very hectic offensive sequence in the Atlanta box is one of those like you're holding your breath like oh 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 yeah and 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 at the end I think at one point Pat like had the ball like a foot from the goal but his back was to it so I... he dished it out to to Kyle Gregg who, who took a shot it was a good shot and I think it was like a fingertip save to, to knock it over but the whole I was looking was... like a crazy person at the resort yelling on my phone like back heel it don't pass that out <laughs> like, yeah you are but one foot from the goal here's the thing about about Pat and I, and I say this a lot, is that you know exactly what you're going to get from him. And part of that that equation, what you're going to get from him, is that he's not going to be he's bringing solid. a lot offensively. He's a he solid defender. Solid move, which yeah. is pass it. Whereas, yeah. like, Cam would have done the cheeky thing in Beckett. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he's one of those guys you know exactly what you're going to get. Like, you're not going to get a ton of offensive output. He's a reliable uh, defender. He's not the fastest dude in the world, but, like, you, you know spot what you're going to get. So when he saw him in that position. He's going to get a header on a set piece every so often. And like, yeah. that's, that is his game. Yeah. So, I mean, when he didn't do that back, it made a lot of sense. If there's any other player, there might've been some sort of a, attempt there. And I, I don't fault him. He just, if you're not comfortable that you're going to make a quality opportunity, you feel like it's going to be better pass off. I do the same thing in our league. I have no business taking any sort of shots or anything. I'm a Pat McMahon out there. That's fine. I, we, we serve our roles. Pat, I would like to apologize. You are not a Benson out there. Style-wise, no, he is way better than me. But, like, if you had to equate me, like, like who am I out in the pitch? I, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm like a Pat McMahon. I'm just a stout defender for our league, maybe. Not really. You get what I'm saying. I don't attack. He doesn't either. Anyway, Kyle Gregg's shot was pretty, pretty decent. Well when he, he just picks his, picks his moments. <laughs> he is – he is – his entire time at Louisville City, he has had to play on the opposite side of the field from from a wingback who yeah. is doing a lot of attacking. And so his role has been like to stay back on defense while the other wing attacks. But when he his moments when he comes up, he does well. Yeah. Anyway, so but the shot that Greg had was was really good. And it was like it was a fantastic save by the Atlanta yeah. keeper just yeah. to, Greg to, to knock it up. Had a rocket. Yeah, it was so it was real close. Like we were, we were, we were all I, around it. I think it was muscle. a little, uh, yeah. I think we probably should have had two in that second half. Feels to me like. Yeah, it was it was real close. We can talk about the XG portion of that later, but it's the end of the match where things just went bonkers. So, and bonkers by mean like we did real well, and then all of a sudden we hit some sort of wall. And we were not good. Like I think all the road games cut up. That was it was not that was good. road game five in a row of five. Which, I remember wa- I remember watching it up until that moment. I was ready to sing the team's praises for the turnaround. Like, yeah, if it's a draw, like they did so well to turn around. Like that that's the kind of improvement and stuff you want to see. But those I mean, last few minutes, ooh, 
They, the score Oof. was still one to one. They didn't give up. They bend. They didn't break in that last few minutes. Good, but they, yeah. they bend. So they held on to the draw. But they were there were two near scoring opportunities by Atlanta. All of a sudden, Atlanta was fully in charge in, the, in like the final minutes of the match. The first moment, particularly, was by far the scariest because, and I forget the full build-up sequence of it, but essentially they they got some sort of a counterattack where they had numbers in our half and we had like one other defender so it's like two guys like they could just outpass their defender and and chris hubbard came off his line to stop it and so they went for a cheeky lob shot and just missed like like that's, that's really like, miss hit that chip he should have like we talked about pat not getting fancy enough with it he got way too fancy on that he, like he should have just drilled it towards the goal from where he was and tried to tried to get cheeky with it and, and lob the keeper from like a diagonal angle rather than just taking a shot. I mean, like it, that's, that's just, uh, I don't know, bad luck, bad decisions, whatever for the Atlanta body. Th- thank God. Like that was, that was almost really bad. And then like, well, I mean, no- props to Hubbard. He came out and made that guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. That yeah. guy thought twice about taking a regular shot and then tried to do, tried to lob him because he came out. So I, oh, yeah. I mean, Chris, part of Chris that is he, on Hubbard. I yeah. Think. Chris did what he could there, but they, yeah. they really should have done more there. Like I would have been furious if that was our team in that position. But, and then after that, like they got another, uh, another good shot on goal. Honestly, it wasn't as great, that, but that lob, the way he hit it would have been a good hit for our team. So I would have been, I would have been impressed <laughs> if that happened. So, uh, yeah, it was just it was a very scary moment. And then it was followed up by another great shot from the Atlanta team that required a a leaping save from from Chris Hubbard. In the final seconds, Hopeno did get a bit of a breakaway and get a, a kind of a one on one shot. It wasn't exactly a great shot; it was a little distance. Um, I don't think it was as threatening as, as the other ones that we talked about for them. So it was a, a it was an exciting, yeah. whether good or bad, exciting final few minutes of that match but it did eventually close out one i thought control. hubbard had a good game yeah that i agree game. I, I think i've been down on him a little bit overall this season but that was a solid game from hubbard yeah i i agree so talking numbers because we like to do that it was very much a tale to halves and in the match recap i i broke down i actually took the, the uh, i usually take a graphics of all the shots uh, assisting key passes and i yeah. broke it up in first and second half and just on all those lines and all the stuff happened they're like whoa it's like two totally different things happening there yeah first half is all Atlanta. second half all little city and i thought the little game flow graphic that shows the uh, the um, xg for the match was particularly interesting so little city's expected goal value is 2.35 atlanta united's 1.74 and when you kind of see it visually broken down kind of over the time scale you can see the, the first half was mostly them we did have some opportunities there there's some little purple bars there but that second half boom it's like all purple bars until the end there's their opportunities didn't like weigh as high on that chart now that i'm looking at it at the end but well, for the people who like to complain that the different websites have different xg values i'll just point out that american soccer analysis had it 2.3 to 1.67 so basically the same I thought that this website used uh, the Gameflow one used that their XG numbers. Anyway, that's whatever. That was a dig we're, at. We're not. We're not going to get. That was that. a dig at Twitter people who'd like to complain about XG. But anyway, is is that <laughs> basically the same? It's two point <laughs> two point three one point seven. It's right there. It's in the noise. Yeah, and I mean, it just it just speaks to that. Like, I mean, 
like the, the, the chances that we, we created there. And especially just kind of seeing it broken up for the first and second half. It's just, you know, it's not. I, I think also I look at that and say, like, that was a below average defensive performance for Louisville City that, I mean, they have only averaged 0.83 against. So it's almost double what they normally give up on, on defense. Yeah, they usually do I, a I lot think, better I think limiting draw chances. Was a, was a fair result there, uh, even though, like, mm. a, a Louisville City win would have also been fair. Um, yeah. I know. I, I, I completely agree with that. That, that like, game to me was, like, right dead on the line between, like, Louisville City win and and draw, but like they didn't really do enough to make the win like super duper, the like the right outcome. But they they were still, you know, they were between draw and win on that. I feel like I I don't think I could say it any better, so I'm not going to try to. I I completely agree with that. <laughs> it was yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, it was it's just. There are some positives and there are certainly some negatives, but it's on the road, Atlanta has played better of recent than they started the season out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, I, I guess we should talk about that. I mean, that finished out their, their long road trip. Yeah. I, it was a little Very bit long. disappointing because we have such high expectations, but they, they went lossless the entire road trip, which is pretty impressive for like a five game road trip especially oh, sure. several of those on short rest so i think yeah. overall they came out of the trip still in first place in the division um they i think a couple of those games they dropped some points by games that should have been a win being a draw but they got points out of every game yeah and i think what makes a solid the, road trip yeah i think what this makes this particularly tough is that we were doing so well and it seems like we're slipping behind when it's really kind of how the schedule is laid out. Like if these were more dispersed throughout the season, I don't think that some of us, I mean, I'm, I'm completely guilty of this too, would feel the way that, that we do. It's just, it's just how the cookie crumbled there. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, it is, it has mentally like every time they've had a stretch like this, it just happens to have corresponded to like when Tampa was going on a, a run Whereas like overall in the season, Tampa's not been super far ahead of them, but they, they've, they've been playing well every time Louisville's been playing bad. So it's like you see them slip away. Uh, yeah. 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 So, so to move, moving on, we'll talk about the New Mexico match, which is finally back at home, but some context leading up to that match is that the Birmingham Legion have been pretty much on our heels the entire season, pretty quietly. And there's a little bit of gap there, but they have since kind of closed in on that gap during our, our road trip where we maybe dropped a few points that we maybe would have liked to have. This game was needed to, to stay ahead of Birmingham. Yes, because they were ahead of us on the table. They clinched the playoffs before us, but we had the game in hand, that game in hand being the New Mexico match. So there's a, there's a bit riding on that, at least from the fans' perspective. I know the team likes to take it one match at a time style. So yeah, this is particularly... I'll because I said... After they played Atlanta, Louisville was in first place, but then New Me- and then Birmingham had a game between then and Sunday that put yep. them in first. So. Yep. So, so a lot riding on at nationally televised match against an opponent that we are unfamiliar with, which is fun. Playing a West Coast team, I like that. Let's do more of that. Jake Edwards, are you listening? <laughs> I, well, no, okay. Wait. No, okay. Not. Hold on. Hold on. So, if we're gonna have not balanced schedules. I would like to see more East West games. 
but ideally i'd rather have a balanced home and home schedule where the the leagues are separate like the east and west i i would rather because we did it for one season but i i feel like the fairest way to have a conference champion is everybody plays everybody else home and home yeah and playing cross-conference games throws that off so in general i would rather have that but if we're not going to have balanced schedules, I want to see some fun cross-conference games. Yes. Why are, why, uh, why are we one league if we're going to treat it like two different things? You know, let's not talk about this right now. <laughs> Actually, I, I don't think there's – I don't think there should be a regular season overall league winner, too. It should just be East and West. Don't Americanize this too much. All right, let's talk about the match. Actually, um, I'm Euroizing it. Okay. Yeah, that's the European game. Okay. Match time. <laughs> Yeah, which Four, is why we should play a balanced schedule like they do in Europe. All right, 4-3-3. <laughs> Same cast of characters we're used to. Instead of Pat McMahon, we got Oscar starting, um, Jogo on the other side, which by the way, we didn't even talk about it. Jogo officially going the real associate. I, I we thought we were sort- going to talk about it because I think it officially happened after the Atlanta game. So, that's, yeah, let's hope we talk about it here. I forgot. A pretty great rollout you- from the team. Lots of good pictures and graphic oh, design. Yeah. It's like yeah, professionals they- were doing it. They were they were ready. They were they were pumped. They were excited. I mean, we all kind of knew. I mean, that was kind of the heavy rumor for for like months, but it became official. I mean, who cares? It's official. It's very exciting. Uh, officially, we got ten. We're getting ten thousand. I think they they call it like a training fee or whatever because he's technically a free agent. We're not going to get into all that part. And the ten percent sell on clause, which means, let's say Jogo just blossoms with real social it's pe- a lot too it is it's good yeah. so let's say he just blossoms real social over the next few seasons and all of a sudden uh you know i one of the big six clubs in the premier league come knocking like hey we'll give you a uh, 40 mil for for jonathan gomez and they're like okay we get 10 percent of that we get four million dollars because of that transaction that we were Which not I, a part of i which I would assume is that's like several seasons of payroll <laughs> probably. Yeah. I think it does some, some good things. You know, <laughs> the joke is like when you have like a, a big club or a small club sell off a player for a lot of money like that, it pretty much funds so like they're revamping their entire like training grounds and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, it's a, it's a big deal for smaller clubs, which I mean, whatever, I mean, sorry if that fancy, that's just the, the nature of it. We're second division that's always going to be the case and so that's this is our bread and butter is going to well, be is going to be I creating mean, talent that goes on to bigger and better it's very cool to see him go on to like real sociedad is not just like a random la liga team either like they are they have like a good history they have been good in Stay like recent, recent history uh I, I think he mentioned what like I think probably what was a big deciding factor, like the, their current coach likes to play the kids. Um, they, they've had several players under 20 make their debut for the first team since that coach yeah. took over. I mean, and also their, their two team is one of the only two teams that plays in the second division there. So he will most likely be playing for second division La Liga next season, which yeah, that's a- Huge leap upwards. I think you can watch here on on one. We know a lot of us are going to figure one of the streaming services has has that. So mad, mad props to to Jonathan Gomez. Huge move. We all knew it was coming. We're all happy for him. And I'm just thrilled he decided to make Louisville part of his story. 
like we got to be part of his journey and he he made a lot of fans here and he's even when he leaves he's still going to have a lot of people following his career it's very exciting and i'm espn plus thrilled. you watch you watch la liga 2 on espn plus there we oh, go good. so thank god you, espn plus he, is such a great value for yeah. what you get especially if you're uh, a soccer fan <laughs> so yeah it's like it, he he's not just going to some european team and we'll never hear of him again like that that's a a team that yeah it's a good team to to sign with yep. so very excited for jogo I, I would like to think that the real inflection point in his career was was when he was interviewed on the first episode of Boss Morales podcasts. I mean, like real real turning point for him. I mean, everything really, really. He, he hadn't officially signed with a uh, yeah. with an enormous club like that before his interview, and I mean, it's now after that interview. Like, I don't know. I'm just I'm putting two and two together. I mean, I'll say it. The every interview too. we've every player we've interviewed on this podcast has been signed by a European team. That's an amazing success rate. Yeah. We are very good at what we do. <laughs> so anybody else wants an interview, we're here. We'll make your career. All right. So the match at hand, again, a team we're not familiar with. And that was, so I was super curious entering into this one on what exactly was, was going to happen. Thankfully, good things happened. It only took seven minutes for us to get our first goal by Mr. Paulo de Piccolo, who we have praised on a number of occasions for being just a smart player, being in the right place at the right Knows time. Knows how to go to the right spot. Yeah. He's not, you know, he's not exactly going to be banging in the world-class shots, but he will be in the right spot to make the easy ones. He can make moderate good ones too. I'm not trying to knock him, but like his bread and butter is just being an intelligent player. Yep. And that he is. It was a, crossing the box he's very close in is able to tap it in boom goal number one shortly after that similar sort of sequence i forget what minute is only a few minutes later same sort of sequence we just didn't make that connection like we were i mean we were exploiting them we, from the we, opposite side yeah yeah first one yeah. was from the left second was from the right yep and also then, but, great uh i wanted to mention a great little one two sequence uh from oscar to lay it off Ran into the open space, got the ball back, made the cross. I, I, I had made a note that, like, this was the first game since he's been back that Oscar looked like old Oscar. Uh, like, oh, he was, he was of good. seasons past Oscar. He's finally it seems like rounding into midseason form. Yeah, he was good. Uh, he was very good on the night. Uh, and before we get too deep, I did want to, I did want to shout out, you know, this big game we're on ESPN had a sweet tifo at the the start of the game i don't know if you oh, caught that my ignorance of forgetting that i am sorry yes the tifo yeah. so uh, tifo that. crew pulled off another good one i thought it's city attacks playing on the roswell new mexico thing uh yeah that ufo on it's very good i liked yeah. it a lot it's very well done by uh by everybody involved i know there's a lot of participating people in these things uh they don't happen overnight takes so. a lot of work it does a lot of work, but we appreciate that work and love love seeing a new Tifo in the mix. So I'm glad we were able to show that off. I don't know if did it make it on the broadcast. I I missed the very start of the broadcast, so I, I didn't see, but it made it on Twitter. So that's good. That's all that matters, right? Yeah, it's the morning. It was on Twitter. It didn't happen. All right, back to the match. So yeah, we missed that second near opportunity, and I'll be darned if they didn't try the same exact thing again at the 14 minute mark and make it. Follow to Piccolo again. Another cross near the net. 
tap in. Yep. So I'm going to, I'm going to fast forward here because after the match, I, I asked, I usually, when I do the, go to the media things, I don't usually ask questions. I just kind of listen, but sometimes I do. And I did today. New Mexico United plays at a baseball field. So it's a smaller field. They are Lucy West. Yes. Lucy West. Lynn family stadium on the opposite end of the spectrum is a very large field for those unfamiliar. This, the size of the pitch is not like what is regulated, but there's a range that you can be within and it's a pretty notable range. So they're not all like, it's not like a football field where they're all exactly the same. Yeah, you got like 10 to 15 yards swing in each dimension. basically. Yeah, so, so we have a very large pitch, like on the upper end of the spectrum. And I asked coach Dan Cruz about that, about the, the influence of that. And if it was kind of part of the game plan, yada, yada. And, and cause I was kind of suspecting, like, I think they just, weren't ready for the whip with and we were they, able to kind of use we were able to kind of use that to our advantage and that's why and we Louisville was playing crosses. extremely wide they like all of Louisville's um offense was coming up the wings they were they would it definitely seemed like they were trying to exploit the whip mm-hmm. and Danny Cruz like oh absolutely that's a factor and he even went as far as he was talking about like the past few matches where they won they were playing like a four two three one I might be misremembering mis- what he said he, they said they'd either be that or their their normal formation, which they had been rolling out more frequently, which they ended up doing that, the latter. And so they were able to kind of adjust and play through. And he even knew at that when that second half started, who like who was going to be coming on. He list like list off the names and had how they play. Like a testament to the team for doing their homework and their research. Like it's they clearly recognize and peg New Mexico as a team that isn't switching things up a lot and they knew exactly what they're going up against and they could plan accordingly. So like, fantastic. I'm, I'm making hand gestures because that's, that's, it's great stuff. And I, and I love that he was that open and talking that much about that, uh, that element. Cause I don't normally, I don't feel like when normally do these press conference things, they get too into the weeds and, and stuff like that. So I was, I was pretty over the moon and excited about that. But so, I mean, that was definitely part of their game plan. And for the first 15 minutes, Net us two goals, almost three. That's excellent. So after the goal, I think things kind of settled in and New Mexico kind of like got past the panic. What the heck are we, we doing? Like, why is this happening stage? And it was a fairly, would you call it a fairly evenish match? Maybe a little city leaning in the first half? Uh, Beyond that? I... I mean, after we scored two goals, yeah, I think it was fairly even. I, I think, yeah, that's overall, what I meant. I meant beyond City, beyond I mean, that yeah. part. Yeah, uh, but I think overall, I mean, Louisville City was was way better in the first half. But yeah, yeah, if you take away the two goals they scored, it was fairly even. Yeah. So, so I mean, the, <laughs> so the remainder of the half was more, more of an even encounter than we got in the very beginning. I, I would say, just in general, um, Moreno ha- had Louisville's number pretty much the whole game. Like oh, he yeah. had a lot of opportunities. Yeah, and, uh, and one of those opportunities culminated is, and God, it was so you know they added two minutes. And of we extra talked time about bad half. bounces. Uh, Tosh had that cross covered. He slid at the right time, deflected the cross, and then it goes right back to the feet of the person who's. Dude, I'll tell you what though. Like so, uh, so for those who, who who may not have watched, it was a there's a ball kind of going near the end line um, on on City's half, and the attacker did such a i think he did a great job of, of keeping that play alive and keeping it in he was able to get the cross off like you said it got through it got past tosh the second found, one did 
yeah, and Van Moreno on the on the other end who was able to 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 doink it in. So well well uh, done by them. And a Moreno that had no one marking him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The I, I would say in general, if we're gonna, I think it was a very very good game. The marking in the box on the crosses was was lacking all night. That yeah. they had another chance in the second half that really he was wide open on and he skied thankfully yeah at the but, end of the day again i I, have, yeah. I haven't seen the xg values on this match yet but i think i got I, it for I, you i well let me let me say this and see if i'm right i feel like new mexico united were, were a little unlucky to only get one is that is that the line with the numbers uh no actually they only had 0.673 so they were oh really yeah one one's totally fair for yeah it was 2.15 to 0.73 it was very very strong victory from Louisville overall yeah they had, a, they had a few opportunities there i'm like i'm like yeah, it, they, it's almost a little so, unlucky that they didn't get one of those i'm glad they didn't it's, it's one of those where if you just look at at how many shots were taken you would think the game was pretty close but louisville had a lot better shots overall oh. than them outside of the goal they scored because I, I think the their first goal was the first shot on first shot on target or first shot on target that they had all night yeah they um, i mean they got i mean they they only, yeah, they had, at least on Fat Mob, they had one shot on target. Yeah. The whole yeah, match. I, so. Um, And then, so I, I think, like, it was eight shots to 11 with, in Louisville's favor. But yeah. I think if you take into consideration the quality of the shots, it was not that close. Because they, they had this the goal they scored and then the shot where he skied it over the bar where he was all by himself. But those yeah. were really their only two good opportunities. The rest of them were not very good shots. Yeah, maybe I'm giving a little too much credit then, but yeah. uh, I mean, we, we did well. I mean, we were obviously the, the better performers. Cause like in the second half, I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to pull my notes here. It was, I, I, I don't feel like there was a lot of like huge moments in that second half. Where did they go? There they are. Yeah. yeah they had, I mean, in the 65th minute, New Mexico had that that shot you alluded to before that went over the crossbar. Um, Which, oh. What happened there? Where was because so Napo stepped up and covered the run on the front post, and then Moreno was just by himself in the center of the box with no defender anywhere around him. What what I, I didn't we're we're recording it fairly sued after the end of the game so i haven't had time to go back and see but like oh i didn't do my, what I happened there that there were no you. there were no <laughs> central defenders anywhere uh, near that they, play i guess they got people people tied up there yeah oh. um, um i did i did kind of i did skip over it uh because that was in the 65th minute and the 62nd minute was there's a great buildup by city that ended up with Hopeno going down in the box. Now I know live in the stadium, we were all pretty, pretty outraged myself included. Yeah. So uh, I can... it seems like we, it seems like upon further review and reading the Twitters, we've all maybe calmed down a little bit from that moment. Maybe it was. Oh, a... okay. Wait, wait, wait. I was going to tell you watching it on TV and getting to see replays. I was actually more mad. Oh, okay. I want to hear this. Because yeah, I, man. I... He just, he took him down from behind and like hit his leg like that's what i thought i'm not even positive he got the ball i know i know the i saw somebody uh, say they got the the commentator said he and we're we're usually through his legs to get the ball which i don't think yeah (laughs) matters if you get the ball in that case 
so obviously yeah, we're, we're recording before I've gotten a chance to write my piece on it. And when I do that, I make the gifs. That means I watched the, the, he was the little out replay of thing a bunch. From and so I haven't got to see it. And then swept through his legs to get to the ball in front of him. Like Hopano had position on that. I like, I don't care if your foot touches the ball at some point in the sequence, you can't go yeah. through the guy to get there. Well, I'm excited to watch that again because I, I Souls Online somebody thought that they got the ball first and like, oh, okay, because I was pretty pissed about that. Like, I try to be level-headed and reasonable about like, it. I don't want to be like super biased about it. I think people put too much emphasis on get the ball first. Like, you can't go through someone's legs regardless of if you get yeah. the ball. Like, it, like, yeah. anyway. So, yeah, but, that was brutal. So, <laughs> potential missed PK question mark? It didn't matter, but yeah. Yeah, so I mean, Still a three-one so that victory. That's a, that's yeah, that's 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 a moment there. I mean, but like I said before, these officiating decisions. Let's talk like, about the good thing that you, happens. Yeah, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. So, so what minute was the? Let's see. Uh, yeah, seventy-fifth minute. We had good news. Oh, we had great news. Tell me about oh, it. Yeah. Let me relive uh, it. Another world class goal from like jimmy mclaughlin only scores bangers is Jim what i learned bangers. yeah like he is not interested in tap in easy goals <laughs> yeah he's uh he's had some uh, some pretty memorable ones yeah uh but yeah it's just diagonal he was running another one where he was running a little bit away from the goal cross his body um and basically just passed it into the back post i yeah i I think I had mentioned deep down, Jimmy, to have a question. Was that a shot or was that a pass that just went in? (laughs) I'll tell you, like we've said before, game of inches, like an inch the other way that would have hit off the post. It would have went out, but it was just so perfectly placed. He made a great move to get the space and he did not look towards the goal for the entire time he did that move. I think he may have been just trying to, hope someone was there to get on the end of it but no, it was a shot located it, was a, it, it was, perfectly it was a perfectly placed shot it's exactly what he intended the entire time yeah i think props uh, i think I, I asked if it was a passer shot and ryan massey on twitter had a good line he said it was a it was a pass with benefits <laughs> i like that so yeah it was uh, that was a great one so that put us up three to one and uh after that I mean, we that- got to see Ilya who I was not aware was playing for New Mexico. <laughs> oh, you didn't know that? Yeah. yeah. And Juan uh, Guzman, who was on our team in 2015? Yep. 2016? Something like that. So two former First players. Season, I think, yeah. Yeah, so he, he didn't get in there, but Elia did. Uh, but that was, I mean, Greg came in, uh, Josh Widener came in, which I'm always pretty excited about when he gets yep. on there. Like 17 kids. years old. 17 years old, he's getting regular minutes. It's, it's excellent. I love it. Love it. But aside from that, that was uh, really all she wrote there in that match. I don't think there's any other big moments that we need to speak to on that one. Nope. Took care. I mean, it's just a a great win to have on the national stage on ESPN. Oh, absolutely. Like, Showcase the showcase stadium. for the team. Yeah, and I like how they handed out the flags because that was nice because when we scored, everybody was waving them. So it added some extra color and movement and stuff like to the fans. It was a good time. And we need to call this out. Like, props to the traveling New Mexico fans. They're a, a good, much good larger ha- New Mexico contingent than I was expecting. Oh, absolutely. And you yeah. love to see it because I love showing off our stadium to other people. And I hope they had a grand old time because and it wasn't one of these, like, they just happened to themselves 
be in the process of uh, they released some renderings recently. Like they're working on their own stadium, moving out of their baseball field. So good for that. I, I'm all for teams coming and seeing what we got here and trying to one up us. I yeah, want New all Mexico, stadiums to be good. New Mexico is one of those teams I've, I've long respected. I think they got a, got a good thing going. I like them. I mean, New Mexico is a cool state. I'm glad that we have a soccer team there now uh, mm. at this and, stage. And one that has, they have a lot of fans embracing them too. I think yes. they're on the upper end of the spectrum attendance wise. And yep. And a baseball engagement. field too. So yeah, who knows? I mean, we, we we've gotten up. a bump yeah, this did. season being it. So yeah. Um, yeah we i mean city does at least 10k a match yep so 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 appreciate all this away supporters that came and, and got to experience things hopefully we get the opportunity to come visit them ideally when they have their new nice stadium and we can go beat them in it <laughs> um but yeah so we're doing good we've now officially clinched the playoffs because with that win we now not only get the points required to get the playoffs, but we've now jumped back above the Birmingham Legion. But and we are second in the East in points right now. Uh, uh, we're not going to catch Tampa. <laughs> uh, well, it's- okay, so it is. Uh, it's all on Tampa at this point, but yeah, Tam- Tampa's oh, yeah. got fifty-eight. We have that's, that's pretty much what I meant. They're not. Gonna, they're not. Gonna, I mean, they're not Tampa gonna reels off hard. a couple losses. It's possible, but. We I have just, five games left. They have six games left. So, um, and then let's see. The in the West in points right now, total points. Like Phoenix is the only team ahead of them in the West currently. El Paso has two games in hand, and they're only one point behind. So, mm-hmm. uh, but as far as actual points right now, they're third in the whole league. Yeah. So, but to 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 more of our close situation is that. We're not out of the clear with, with Birmingham. It's still tight. We only have two points. race. Yeah, with two points on them. And guess what? We play Birmingham at Birmingham for the last game of the regular season. It's, it's going to be start, a good one. It's starting to look like that's going to be a real important match. going to be real important. I don't think I can travel to it, and I'm really disappointed that I can't. But it's going <laughs> to be a big one. I got a bunch of weddings coming up. Too many people getting married during the important part of soccer season. I was very inconsiderate of them. Don't they know move those weddings outside of the season? <sighs> all right. So, so it's we're not at the clear. We gotta we gotta keep our head and nose to the grindstone and get every point that we can because we know Birmingham's gonna be doing exactly the same. I'd ideally like to walk into that match in a position where it's not that we, we have to win or not, you know. I yeah. mean, if it comes on the it's goal fun. differential, we it's got. It's still we fun to have a last, last game of the season matter, but I, I would ra- Look, I'd rather be sitting in first place overall. <laughs> I don't need that anxiety in my life. I got enough. I just, I wanna, I wanna finally get a a playoff run at Lynn Family Stadium, full capacity. Yeah, I want it. I want it to be home the whole playoffs. Oh yeah, we we need the we need the home field, so we'll we'll play for that. So. <sighs> A lot more to come on that. Very exciting times to be a little city fan. As always, seventh straight trip to the playoffs. So, all right, Zach, is there anything else that we had failed to mention? Because we already talked about the Jogo stuff. Because I would have forgot otherwise. Silly me, big Jogo <laughs> fan, and I would have forgot to talk about that. <laughs> are we real? We are we Sociedad fans now? 
Oh, yeah. I, works? As yeah. soon as I heard the rumor, I put them on my fought mob thing to follow them. <laughs> I don't particularly have a La Liga team I follow, so that's I do now. Me. Yeah, I didn't care before. But yeah, now I care. He didn't sign with somebody I actively hate. So right. we got that going. Yeah, well, don't don't, don't knock too soon. He's got a long career ahead of him. <laughs> oh, well, now that we get a percentage, the teams I hate just happen to also spend a ton of money. So he can sign with all the teams I hate now if we're getting 10%. Oh, yeah. Dude, they should overspend just to secure that transfer. <laughs> you can go PSG all you want. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Anything else? It's uh, all I got. We will let these fine people go. Thank you guys for listening, for tuning in. Hope you found this educational, informative, fun. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you could drop me a line on Twitter at Purple SDF. And you can take any complaints to at Zach W. Allen with Z A C H. Yeah, that's right. I do not take the complaints. It's all I want to hear them. I I want to hear something. It's been crickets. I get all the, uh, I, give me all the, give me all the, the plot. It's the good news, the, the comments, uh, the positive comments. I'll take those, all the bad stuff to Zach, how this works. And I'd like <laughs> to thank off your negative energy. <laughs> I, I save all mine for, for fighting the trolls on Twitter. All the, all the Tobin Heath and Kristen press stands. So I divert oh, all my see, negative I, energy. I have I a bl- very, I very have, have a very heavily curated Twitter experience. I don't fight any trolls. Oh, I, I've, I've blocked them. I'll see after. the trolls. I've blocked them all now. Like I went out of my way searching for people that looked like they were stands for those players, and I went preactively block, block them. So I'm in a good spot now. Here's the difference between me and you, Ben. When when tweens try to start stuff with me on Twitter, I just ignore them. Well, I don't know how old these people are, and one of them said they, they were not a teenager. All tweens. The, the most tween thing you could do is say you're not a teenager. Look... In my defense, the one time I really heavily engaged with them, I was like 10 beers deep at a wedding. It was like after we won the <laughs> Women's Cup. So like- How many I'm weddings not, do you go to? I'm not gonna blame the alcohol, but it was a factor of me being real pompous that night. All right, these people got lives. We gotta let them back and get back to Ben. I know, yeah, we talked too much. Thank you, State of Louisville, as always. Please make sure you tune in and follow their stuff because they got a lot of great sports action going on here in Louisville. Again, I've been betting. Thank I've you all for tuning in. Bye-bye. 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 You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.